Hey everybody, Liz here and welcome to another episode of Little Pod Workshop, a podcast about art, creativity, and finding your inspiration. Each week I sit down with a fellow creator to discuss their artist's journey and what art and artistic expression truly mean to them. Let's get started. This week's guest is Jody of Eldwin's Fantasy, a Tennessee artist who specializes in wire wrapping and jewelry design. I sat down with her back in June to discuss her inspirations, how she got her start, and how she found her Janet. Where did Jody's artist journey begin? Wow. Okay. So I've been making jewelry since I was a little kid. I'd have my parents or, you know, family members, friends give me jewelry and I would wind up taking it apart and putting it back together the way I wanted it to look. And as I got older, even up through high school, I, I was still doing that. And then I just started exploring and, you know, buying materials and playing with different mediums and you know I discovered wire wrapping for myself and that's where I found my zen and yeah that's what keeps me happy and I've been doing the wire wrapping now for oh my goodness I don't even know (laughs) many many moons many moons many moons many moons so wire wrapping yes how did you find your way to wire wrapping and like you mentioned this is your zen so talk a little bit about that what does it do for you as as an artist well I like working with my hands and I will get inspired just by walking through Home Depot for example I will find wire there and the first thing that comes to my head is you know me taking the wire and just molding it into shapes and all the possibilities and it just it spirals mm-hmm. into this creative burst that mm-hmm. it, it, it literally will keep me up at night if I don't do it so yeah I mean I get inspired just by walking down the street and I'll see a design that's like a crack in the sidewalk and I I'll, I'll say to myself, wow, that would make an awesome, you know, pendant mm-hmm. having, you know, the wire go like this and I can do a background painting for it like this. And, you know, it's mm-hmm. just, I, I find myself that I find my brain constantly going mm-hmm. when it comes to, to wire work more so than I, I studied art in college. I have a degree in communication design mm-hmm. and I've explored so many different art forms, painting and drawing and computer graphics and whatnot, but it wasn't until I got out of school and actually started mm-hmm. playing with, you know, wire that it really, like, no, this is, this, this is it, guys. This is it. I don't know what I was doing over there. No, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I found my comfort zone, which because wire is so versatile, mm-hmm you can constantly break out of your comfort zone. So I worship David Bowie, Mm -hmm. absolutely worship David Bowie. And one of my favorite quotes, which I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember the exact wording, he said, you will never grow artistically and creatively unless you break out of your comfort zone. Mm. And that stuck with me. He, he, I mean, and so I constantly find that, yeah, it's great when you're comfortable with something and Mm -hmm. you feel, okay, great. I'm good at this. I'm going to keep doing this. And then not realizing that maybe it's getting stale Mm. for yeah. Your audience. Yeah. Right? I mean, I, got yeah, you. I love doing this and I'm going to keep doing this. But now the audience is like, okay, yeah, another one of those. Okay. Okay. So it's time to up the ante a little bit and see what more I can do. And so... How do you approach that as an artist? Because, like, I know I've experienced that where I'm, I'm primarily in pops. I try to do drawings. I try to do other things. How does an artist approach that? Oh, I'm bored. 
I'm, you know, people are bored with this. I'm bored with this. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you do? It, it's hard. It's like writer's block. It's mm-hmm. like anything. I mean, creative block is real. It's horrible. <laughs> and there are times where I need a break because I can sit there with all my materials in front of me till the cows come home. It's not going to change what's going to come out of any efforts I put in that day. And I right. know that. So I've become better at recognizing that I need to take a few steps back. And mm-hmm. when I take a few steps back and reapproach, I get inspired again. I love that feeling. That Isn't feeling it feeling like when something just finally clicks. It's just like there's like a wave of relief that just comes over yes. you. And this energy just resurges mm-hmm. and you, you just, you burst through it. And <laughs> there are times where, you know, I, I will sit there and, and I won't, I'll lose track of time. I won't go to bed. I will <laughs> sit there and just hammer things out because mm-hmm. I'm so excited about what I'm doing. It's new. It's fresh. And yeah, and then I'll have very sore hands the next day, but it's okay. Yeah. Creating, <laughs> you're, you're giving some, you're to use like a probably really gross term, but you're birthing something beautiful into the world. Well, that <laughs> is a good example because yeah. I do look at, at what I do as a very big part of me. And yeah, they're like my kids. Yeah, that's why they get names and everything. <laughs> and then you have to send them to new homes. <laughs> exactly. So these are these are the best kinds of kids because they're kids that are only around for a little bit. And then you can ship them off somewhere else. They don't stay around. They need all your food. They don't get need on college. Nerves. They don't need college. Exactly. I feel the same way. Like creatively, each one of these little guys, they're they're part of me. I, I put so much soul into it. And like you were saying, sitting there and sitting there and sitting there and just till you burst through that, there's no soul in the work. Absolutely not. You're just doing it for the sake of doing it. How did you start doing college? Oh, okay. That's actually a fun story. So believe it or not, even though I have a degree in art, I worked in the financial industry for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. I used to be an assistant vice president of a bank. Who would have thunk? Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, I had my oldest when I was younger and I needed the first job that I got. And Mm -hmm. I got something in the financial industry. You got good at it and they worked you up the ladder. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I was so good at my job that um, the last project I was working on was establishing a branch in another country. Mm -hmm. And as soon as said branch was established, my job went to that country. Of course. Yeah. I was laid off and it was was hilarious. I'm in the human resources office. My manager's in there. The human resources is there and they're trying to give me the whole corporate spiel, do more with less and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. I said, do I have a job or not? (laughs) And they said, no, I'm sorry. We're laying you off. And And I started laughing. And they, they're like, are I'm, you okay? And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I thought I was stuck doing this for the rest of my life. And you've basically taken that choice away from me. So mm-hmm. now I, ha- I, I can go do what I want to do. I thanked them for letting me go. <laughs> and it was amazing. I mm-hmm. went home that day knowing that I was going to make my jewelry my full-time thing. At that point, I had my online shop established already. It was a part-time thing. But I'm like, no, this is going to work. This is going to be full-time. I'm going to make it work. I was already working in Hoboken as the director of the art program for the Hoboken Shelter. Mm-hmm. I 
-hmm. was already in exhibits all over Jersey with my jewelry and I would combine jewelry and painting but it wasn't enough to make a living but I was determined I was gonna make this work mm -hmm. when I got home that day I said, you know what? I got a severance package. I don't have to really try really hard today, do I? Can I just take a breather for a couple of days before I start jumping in here? I had a little bit of a trauma today. So I turned on Netflix. Yeah, I think you know where I'm going. Yeah, I think I know where you're going with this. Yeah, there was a show on there called Supernatural. And I'm like, what the hell is this? I watched the pilot and I'm like, okay, two very cool dudes driving around in a really cool car. I can get into this. Yeah, yeah. And I wound up binge watching it like there was no tomorrow. This was back in 2013, in January of 2013. And so then I got my family really into it because they had no choice but to watch it with me. So my husband got really into it too. And then mm -hmm. he started looking for more information online about the show. And he said, hey, Jody, did you know that there are supernatural conventions? All the way back in 2013? All the way back in 2013. The convention started in 2008, actually. Damn. Right? I didn't realize that these were all around that long. Oh, yeah. That's amazing. So, yeah. And I was like, there's a convention for a show that's still on the air that is so weird. Because yeah, because like other ones would be like Xena or, or Buffy, Star Trek. Star Trek. You know. Well, I mean, you could forgive Trek because there's been multiple versions of it. Right. And at that time, I think, what was it? Enterprise may have still been oh, on Oh, yeah, TV. I think Enterprise was still on TV yeah. at that point. But yeah, so I'm like, wow, okay, well, I will see what happens. I'll apply and see what happens. So I applied online to be a vendor mm -hmm. and I was accepted. My first show was in New Jersey in 2013. And... I loved it. I loved it. And Misha mm -hmm. Collins came to my table. So I thought that was a normal thing. Like, oh, wow. The and then just kind everyone of else stuff. was like, no, this is not yeah, normal at all. Exactly. <laughs> so, but I mean, he didn't just go to my table. He, well, he, he was, was wandering. He was wandering. But like, can you imagine him doing that now? No. They would mob him like exactly. in seconds. Like he'd never get anywhere in here. Like I was so like. And it's really funny because, you know, my daughter, she was so young at the time. She was like seven years old. And someone had captured that moment that he was at my table. Mm -hmm. they, they took a picture of it. And if you could see the line, the eye line between my daughter looking up into Misha, you could see laser beams. Oh. Like, she was so beside her. She's like, oh, my God, Mom, he's here. He's here. He's here. Aside the, from the fact that Misha Collins was at my table, it was a very great convention. Yeah. It was it was fun. So one of the things that I've noticed being an artist with a business mm -hmm. is the commodification of art in the modern age is how do we handle being artists selling our work? Because it's different when you're making it for yourself because you could make things that you love all day long. They just sit in your house. They accumulate, but you love them and it's not a problem for you. Right. But then you have to think, when you're a business, you have to think about your audience. Yes. So, like, how do you handle that? You know, it's so funny. And, and my husband and I have spoken about this in length because he knows that one of the main reasons why I continue to do what I do is not only because I love what I do, mm -hmm. but I don't like being told what to do. I don't like having a <laughs> boss. 
So I am my own boss. And sometimes my boss is an asshole. So when I first started doing this full time Mm -hmm. and I was creating my own designs, I had an unexpected side effect. People Mm -hmm. were starting to come to me with custom orders, custom design requests. And I was, it was a mixed bag for me at first. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I love the fact that you think that much enough of my work that you want me to create. But then again, now you're telling me what to do. So Mm -hmm. now I don't like it. And it took a lot of, I I had to process a lot of it in my head Mm -hmm. in order to make something for someone that I felt proud of. Mm -hmm. It took me a while to get used to doing that. First few custom orders that I had done, Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, I'm making this. I love making jewelry. I don't like being told what to make. And I felt a little resentful even though it was coming with the best of intentions they wanted to give me business and they wanted me to make them something unique right so once I started looking at it as they're not bossing you around you dumbass they're asking (laughs) you to create something specifically for them Mm -hmm. and yeah and so, and, and this was many years ago when I had first started. Yeah. And, and now I'm at the point now where people come to me and they're like, oh man, I wish um, you could make something that is inspired by blah, 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 blah. I'll do it. And I'll even, even accept parameters from people now. Like if they say, I would really like something in red. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like something that's woven or I would like something, you know, as long as you don't use like lime green or something. You know, I, I used to get really defensive about it mm-hmm. as a creative person. Like, don't you tell me what to make. This is mine. It, it, it took a long time to train my brain to realize mm-hmm. because of being in, you know, under someone's thumb in corporate for so many years. I'm not being told what to do they want me to create something for them what the hell and it was a mind shift it takes a while to retrain your brain you do you have to retrain yourself yeah and you're not being a sellout you're not compromising your creativity you're using your creativity to create something somebody else wants that's all that's all it is it's not a big deal and it took me a long time to realize that (laughs) I I had struggled with that for a little bit at the beginning it's like am I just creating for the sake of a sale right and it's and I still struggle with that because I'm like am I compromising what it means to be an artist right and I know that it's stranger because we're not technically doing things that would be commonly considered art because I, I I feel like when people think of art they think of paintings well that's that's the yeah. stereotypical yeah. go-to or sculpture like they, right. they think of fine arts they fine think arts. of fine arts yes. yeah. and you know art is what it's a result of your creativity and mm-hmm. however you're expressing it whether it's something visual whether it's something you can actually hold in your hand whether it's something you can just listen to or just touch mm-hmm. and feel or sense in some way it's art is art it, there's no there are no rules no and i and i i love to use this thing it's like art is how we express how we see the world so like how you were talking earlier about how you'll see a crack in a sidewalk and you'll want to turn it into a necklace yeah like that's how you see the world yes and i think that that's so cool that we each have a way we each find a way because i believe anyone can do art i do too yeah because art is subjective absolutely you can do it as anything when i teach my workshops mm-hmm. the it's really funny because i can't and you sat in one of yeah, my workshops yeah. so you know i can't impress upon people enough they want me to do everything short of making it for them 
And, Mm -hmm. you know, and I said to them, you know, I could have walked in here, handed you a piece of paper with a shape drawn on it and told you to trace with the wire on the shape. And what were you learning from that? Nothing. Nothing. But if I show you, okay, just make a turn here, make a turn there, and now the rest is on you, and I can guide you through some basic things, now you've got your own creation, and no two pieces in that class look alike. Yeah, I remember Cleveland. I remember doing it in Cleveland, mm-hmm. and like everyone was like, huh? Because they thought it was kind of like a, a paint-by-numbers kind of thing. Exactly. Where you were going to give us a sheet with instructions on how to build this one particular necklace. And I'm like, that's not fun. Exactly. That's you can walk fun. into You can walk into, you know, Walmart and buy a kit you know but yeah no I'm teaching you to it's it's jewelry making with Jody but I want you to be creative and think for yourself and make something you're going to be proud of not just try to emulate something something else right you'll never be happy if you're trying to copy something else yes and it's actually funny I taught a similar class in, in Comic Palooza, I did a workshop class and I modeled it after yours where I'm just oh. like, I'm just going to teach you the methods of how to do this. Where you take it from there is up to you. Because That's I, awesome. It's like, ex- I want you to express yourself through this medium. And if you find that you like it, rock on. There's You can go buy stuff at you know Michael's or something. Right. If you find that you love it, go ahead and do it. But you're going to do it as you, not as me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. That's the point. Mm -hmm. Because I've been asked, like, aren't you afraid that people are going to copy your style? And I I said, well, I'm not teaching my style. I'm teaching them very basic wire working techniques. And they're doing the rest of the work. Because I don't think you could teach your style. No. No, because that comes from you. Exactly. And especially, I mean, I don't know if my style exists because... (laughs) I mean, I didn't, I refused to read any books about wire wrapping. I, the internet wasn't even around when I started wire wrapping. Just jump in and I just decided to do what I, it was problem solving to me. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and that way I developed my own style. And that's what I encourage all of the students in my workshops to do. You find what works best for you and that's how you develop your own style. Mm -hmm. You don't want to copy what somebody else is doing because then it's not yours. Exactly. There's no, again, there's no soul in it if you're just copying someone else you're so right because i could put down one of my pieces in front of someone they can copy it to the hill and i guarantee you they'll still look different because of the feelings that were that went into Mm -hmm. my piece versus the feelings that went into their piece they were working on a piece they were trying to copy something whereas i was expressing myself with my piece exactly there's a difference exactly and that's why for me what's so hard to express about the pops is that yes you can go and get a mass-produced pop from funko like you can go and do that i'm not gonna stop you i'm not gonna stop you she won't stop you however (laughs) but you're not gonna have it's not gonna have the same feeling sitting on your shelf like i have mine right next to things that i've bought because like i collect them Mm -hmm. i collect theirs i love theirs i'll support them but looking at them i remember putting hand to clay i remember putting hand to paint I remember the feelings. I remember what Netflix episode I was watching when I was making that. Yeah. And it it just, it fills me, it fulfills me more than just something sitting on my shelf. Exactly. Exactly. It's, you know, and and that's another thing because, you know, going back to what traditional forms of art are, what you do is art. It's 
expressive. Thank, thank you. Cause it's creative. Some you people are, are very creative. confused about that. It's, <laughs> yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, you were implementing so many different techniques, painting and sculpting. You're in visualizing and there's just so much involved in it. And yeah, it's art just as much as any other art form. It's not, I don't, I don't believe there are lesser art. There are not lesser and, art And, you know, while I do enjoy that our work is called fan art, I mm -hmm. think that at times it has a negative connotation to it because yes. it, it makes it sound like it's less... Less important. Less than important. something that would be in a museum or something like that. Exactly. Yeah, because like our it, skills are lacking. Because somehow the inspiration came from a television show but i mean like you go and look at the venus de milo that's greek like, that was tv back then yes exactly <laughs> it was inspired Chariot racing was tv back then it was inspired by <laughs> mythology like how is something like supernatural not like that like it's its own mythology exactly so i don't i don't believe that fan art is somehow lesser i don't either and i i have a feeling that you know we'll be battling that for a long time uh. and and, you know, that so battle's not going to go away. It it's been here since the beginning of time. Just and somehow, like, it's fancier when it gets to be in a museum somehow you know I've had my work in galleries before and I think a lot of the work I do now is better well you've learned because I've had I was more inspired by the work I do now than the work I was doing then you know it's it's about what's going on in your head not what where your work is being observed that is a beautiful beautiful sentiment because like I think some people think like maybe putting things on the internet makes it less important just posting a photo to tumblr or putting fan fiction up on archive of our own or fanfiction.net like somehow that that's lesser i don't the, i don't understand that those <laughs> venues exist in order to allow all of us to express ourselves freely it is not an indication that our work is less than that our, our work is subpar those are just other platforms those are now additional ways for us to get our work out there to the world that's exactly. all that is it you know this is another way you can see my work exactly i love the the accessibility of it like the internet it's both a blessing and a curse <laughs> yeah agreed <laughs> But what's like been one of the best experiences you've had through the internet with your art? Like how how do you approach selling your art on the internet? Well, one thing I learned and I still struggle with it. I think mm -hmm. everybody struggles with it to an extent. Mm -hmm. You're putting your work on the internet, so therefore you are inviting commentary. And while freedom of speech is a thing, I believe in it. Mm -hmm. I still also believe in the if you have nothing nice to say, shut your face. <laughs> Well, With that being said, yeah. what I mean is mm -hmm. not if you don't like it, shut up. What I do mean is if you don't like it, let's Why? talk about it. Why? Like, Give me some critique. Yes. Not thank you. criticism. A critique is different than criticism. And I, I like the term constructive criticism. Constructive criticism. I would prefer you tell me why it doesn't work. Right. Like, what about it doesn't speak to you? There's a difference that mm -hmm. a lot of people... The, the kind of work that I do is abstract. I don't do representational work. Right? right. So, for example... Okay, so I have a piece called Rowena's Fall. It's a red crystal point with... Mm -hmm. um, oh, it's one of my hammered. favorites. I wear it, like, all the time. Oh, <laughs> thank <laughs> you. That's actually one of my favorites, too. Yeah. And, you know, it's got hammered silver on it. Yeah. It's got a lot of 
raw hurt energy going through it and I mm-hmm. love it and I had a customer actually you know try to start an argument with me because they felt that well you know she didn't really die so why did you do that piece I don't think that's what it would look like and blah blah mm-hmm. blah and I respected their opinion I said I completely see your point mm-hmm. when you make your piece you make it the way you want it mm-hmm. this is my interpretation of how that moment affected me this is my work this is my interpretation this is how mm-hmm. I'm representing that moment this right. is how I felt and I understand that you didn't feel that way and I'm not saying you're wrong I'm just saying it's different. That's part of the subjectivity of art, exactly. especially with the abstract nature of yours, is that each person will represent that moment differently. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So that's something that it's it's hard. I do want to ask, this one may be a little difficult of a question. I, need to, I like asking this question because it really makes people think about their work as a whole, like on a spectrum. Okay. What do you feel has been your greatest triumph as an artist? Well, I... <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, like, it can be a specific piece, like you finally broke through that barrier, like, oh my god, this turned out to be amazing. It can be, like, your progression. I have a couple of different things. Okay. Two different things. This one's really petty, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I don't think my father's going to listen to this. <laughs> so when I first started doing this full time, mm-hmm. my uncle, my father's brother, was mm-hmm. telling my father how, oh, I will never make this work. I need to grow up. What am I doing? I'm stupid. I don't know how to run a business and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And I asked my father, well, what did you say? And he said nothing. I said, you didn't defend me? And he said, well, no. Oh, okay. I had I, I had not long after that I had done a convention, a supernatural convention. Yeah. And at uh, at that point, it had been my most successful convention, and it, and by a long shot, it was a it was yeah a tremendous success for me at that point. So I called up my dad and I said, I need you to do me a favor. And he said, What? I need you to call your brother mm-hmm. and tell him that I said he needs to go. Beep, himself and my dad said what and I said I said to call no I heard you I heard you he said so you did well okay okay I got it I got it yeah I did well dad okay so so that was one because that was taking care of the home front of the naysayers when I, I think it was the first time I was working at a convention and a customer had come to me to tell me how she keeps my work in her pocket she doesn't wear them as they're intended to be worn she keeps them on her person like in her bag or in her pocket Mm -hmm. because they are soothing to her that that literally it it had brought tears to my eyes because I never thought okay I'm making jewelry I never thought it could impact somebody like that so that that was very meaningful you never know like how how it's going to impact someone because I got um I got the sweetest message from someone I had sent her an an ASL Eileen so like you remember I made where she's signing the first part of Hunter yes and I'd sent it to her I didn't know she was getting it why she was getting it she just bought it in my Etsy and then I got a message from her on Twitter she said she had bought it for her friend who was deaf Mm -hmm. and that her friend loved it because it was it represented her like she felt represented And I broke down crying (laughs) reading that because, yeah, you never know. Like I I made those really because I wanted to do something representative like that was part of it. 
Well, I, um, I told you the, that the impact that it had on Raven, my yeah. my daughter's death, and when she learned that you you know you were making an Eileen pop. Yeah. She was oh so blown away. I mean, she has that showcase, <laughs> you know, in her room. So your work touches people, and so does yours. And that then that's what makes. I don't, I'm not gonna say it makes it worthwhile because we get something else out of it. Yes, but it definitely helps to know that we're helping other people with Absolutely. it. Absolutely, yeah. it, it, it's in our own little selfish ways. We do it because yes, we enjoy doing it, but it makes us feel better when we're doing something for somebody else too. Yeah. So yeah, we do get something else out of it, <laughs> which doesn't sound right, but you no, know what? But I it's, mean. it's extra fulfilling. Yes. To know that our work is touching other people's lives. Agreed. And then, what do you think you could do better? I think I need to be more forgiving with myself. Okay. I get very frustrated when I am trying to create. I can get very frustrated very easily if things don't go the way I want them to, and then I shut down, and it's yeah. a whole chain reaction. And I need to get better at, and this is different than a creative block. This is, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I've got an idea, and I'm working on it. And but it's, it's not coming out how you want it, it to. It's totally not coming yeah. out how I want it yeah. to. And I will get up, I'm screaming, I'm cursing, I'm scaring my cats. I'm like, but I've I'm still learning how to deal with this. But mm -hmm. I when I can become aware of that moment where I've you know like I've gotten to okay Jody calm down mm -hmm. and just take a break. Yeah, it's okay to take a break. Yes, and I feel so guilty when I take breaks. That's what happens with me too. I'm like, yeah. wow, okay. But if I don't take a break, it's not going to come out. It's going to get gonna worse. You're going to force it, and then it's going to be like, ew, what is this thing? Yeah, <sighs> what did I do so, here? Yeah, I? I need to. I I need to work on being kinder to myself and mm -hmm. uh, and and get over this self-imposed you're a lazy ass if you decide you need to take a few minutes or an hour maybe maybe i need to take a two-hour break and then go back or to a night it. off and yet yeah, days off go go see a movie go right let your brain reset i know like i've had projects where they've sat on my desk i feel really bad because it's someone's commission yeah and I, but it's just, it's not coming to me. And I don't want to create something just for the sake of creating. I don't want to yep. create something just so I can put it in a box and send it to them and be like, that one's done. Right. I want them to have something worthwhile because they're trusting me. Exactly. Right. And I know like on, on some, with some of yours, you're just, you're creating them. You're like, you're birthing them into the world. I am birthing so many things. But not really for the express intent of selling them. Right. But even then, you don't want to put something out there that's garbage. <laughs> exactly. And that's another thing, too. Mm -hmm. Like, especially when you're working on a commission, you mm -hmm. know, and someone's trusted you to yeah. create something for them. And, and it's difficult and you're not feeling it. I've learned that it's okay to reach back out to that person mm -hmm. that's commissioned you. And I'll say, look, I need a little more time. Mm -hmm. Or I, I tried and I don't feel good with the direction it's going. Like I open a conversation with them. Mm -hmm. I'll send them pictures and I'll say to them, this is where I am with it. I'm mm -hmm. not, I don't like where it's going. And they can, to they've totally turned around and said, well, that's, 
what's wrong with that? Keep going. And when I get that encouragement, mm-hmm. it kicks in. Yeah. Or they and or they've turned around and said, you know what? You're right. That isn't like what I had I in mind. You. But yeah. I trust you. So why don't we try a different angle? Let's try going this way. Mm-hmm. You know, so the bottom line is, is that it's yes, you're an artist and, and it's your creativity. But that doesn't mean that you create in a bubble either, especially no. when you're working on a commission. You do need that feedback from from people to see if right. you're on a track. And you know? I think that I, I've, I feel incredibly blessed because I have like this little bubble, this little friend group mm-hmm. of other customizers. Right. Where, where I'm like, okay, I don't know what the hell I'm doing with this. Can you enlighten me? Like, what, what am I doing wrong? Like, I feel like I'm doing it wrong. It's like, even though art is subjective, like art can be whatever it is. Like, I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like, how do you approach that? Is it's it... not that it's wrong. Yeah. I don't think there is a wrong. There's mm-hmm. never a wrong when you're creating something. Mm-hmm. There's something that may feel wrong to you, meaning that's not what I meant to do. Yeah. That doesn't mean artistically it's wrong. Right. And I've found that by going to to other artists like Janet and yeah. using them as a sounding board saying, look, I don't I, I this is a piece of shit. I don't know what I'm doing here. Yeah. She will find a million different ways of turning me around because everyone needs a Janet. <laughs> everybody needs a Janet in the world. Find your Janet. That's it. Find yes. your Janet. <laughs> Because you have to get other people's feedback in order for you to ex- just get out of your head. Yes. Because they're going to see it differently than you. It's like when you see people performing on stage. Okay, mm-hmm. so for example, my son Phoenix is a musician. And yeah. he'll go on stage and he will perform in the orchestra. He plays the clarinet. Yeah. And then later on, I'll say, wow, you did such a great job. And you'll say, oh my God, Mom, I played like three wrong notes. And we're like, well, we don't we know didn't that. Have the music in front of us we don't know that we didn't know you played three wrong notes yeah all we know is you sounded amazing you know so you're seeing it from one perspective and as the audience we're seeing it as another so Mm -hmm. you need to get the whole picture you really do yeah and I and that was a lesson that was really hard to learn because like you I went to school for art not like the art that I do now, but I went to school for writing. Okay. And one of the hardest lessons I had to learn was trusting other people with my work because I'm very sensitive about my work. <laughs> I put a lot of myself into it. So it feels like you're giving yourself over. That is a terrible way to phrase it. <laughs> as soon as it came out of my mouth, I'm like, that's a terrible way to phrase it. But you're giving a piece of yourself to someone else. Yes. And you're trusting them with that. That's right. And... I've had people who didn't understand that that's what I was doing and ripped it apart. And then you're just, I'm the worst. Like, I can't do this anymore. You want to quit. You get one one bad criticism and you just want to walk away. You can never let it get there. Yeah. Never let it get there because there will be people. There, There's always going to be people out there. And I've said this many times before. You're going to hear the negative stuff the loudest. Yes. That yeah. doesn't mean that that's the majority. Mm-hmm. It's just the louder. It's just the loudest. And like that's we're, what we're, we tend like to It's like we're almost on. wired to to go for the negative stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Because we're, we're taking a chance, a huge chance, by mm-hmm. putting our stuff out there. So like I was saying earlier, we're inviting commentary by putting our stuff out there and saying, look what I did. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, this is you have to remember that you 
have to stand by your creations and yeah. by backing down and saying, you know what, maybe they're right. I'm not doing this anymore and blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. You're depriving yourself and your audience of brilliant work and something that you enjoy just because sticks and stones. You know what I mean? And it's hard and it's so much easier said than done. You know, and yeah. I'm telling you all this and I'm probably going to hear something later on this weekend that's going to have me in a fetal position. But, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, find your Janet. Find, find your, your Janet. Janet. <laughs> Find your Janet. Janet and I had done something really fun. We had done something called You F***ed It Up, I Fixed It Up. And that was born of, I made, I had painted this glass that I thought came out like crap. She's like, are you kidding me? Let me take it and I'll wrap it. And then she had glass that she painted and she said it was like like crap. like, yeah. I'll take it and I'll, and like we wound up creating something with each other's work that was mind blowing. Yeah. We were seeing it. You were seeing the flaws in your own work. Like, exactly. We are our own worst critics. We are. Yeah. Because we're so critical of ourselves. Yeah, exactly. So you need to find your Janet. You, you really, I, I can't stress it enough to, mm-hmm. to find people that you trust and Mm -hmm. have them be your sounding boards Mm -hmm. because they're not going to see it the same way you see it especially if they're I mean if they're not creative people or Mm -hmm. especially if they are creative people but they use different mediums that everybody's going to come with their own experiences and look at it and give it their own interpretation right and you don't know if that's going to come up with something beautiful right and everybody's definition of beauty is different too you have to break out of those molds that we've been instilled with i wanted to ask one final question okay what does art mean to you it's literally taking every emotion the agony the happiness the anxiety the the bliss and materializing it into something it's cathartic and if someone else can see that in my work i consider that successful Thank you for taking the time to chat with me, Jody. You can find Jody and her beautiful jewelry on Twitter and Instagram at Eldwin, on Facebook at Eldwin's Fantasy, and on her website, eldwinsfantasy.com. Thanks for joining us here this week on Little Pod Workshop. Make sure to visit my website, littlepopworkshop.com, for complete transcripts of each episode, and subscribe via iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or your favorite podcasting app so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you like the podcast, please leave a rating on iTunes, or simply tell a friend and spread the word. If you're a creator who would like to participate in a future episode, drop me an email at littlepodworkshop at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for our next guest. Little Pod Workshop is copyright 2019 by Elizabeth Evans. All rights reserved.